Chapter 5 of Vice in its Proper Shape This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by Ashwin Jain Vice in its Proper Shape or The Wonderful and Melancholy transformation of several naughty masters and misses into those contemptible animals which they most resemble in disposition by anonymous chapter five the comical and modifying transmigration of little monsieur fribble into the body of a monkey after we had taken our leave of master curl we were conducted into the apartment of Mr. Pug, a chattering young monkey, who, as soon as he saw us, whipped his little hat under his arm in a crack, and seating himself upon his backside, welcomed each of us into the room by several ceremonious nods, which were intended to supply the place of a bow and were accompanied by such a noisy affected grin that it was impossible for us to forbear laughing. This contemptible animal, said Mr. Weisman, is inhabited by the little soul of the late Master Billy Fribble, a young gentleman of French extraction, whose friends came and settled in the country about fifty years ago. His playfellows dignified him with the humorous title of the Little Monsieur, not so much on account of his diminutive stature as for that trifling and finical behavior which distinguishes the least respectable, though by many thoughtless persons the most admired part of the French nation. As neither his bodily nor mental faculties were very vigorous, his childhood was remarkable only for a certain effeminate vivacity which continually displayed itself in such a noisy and insignificant prattling as was very tiresome and disagreeable to everybody in the house. When he grew older, he added to his formal loquacity the most passionate fondness for fine clothes. So that, in the twelfth year of his age, he became as complete a top as ever eyes beheld. He wore upon his head a Marconi hat of the size of a small tea saucer. His coat, which scarcely had any skirts to it, was of the most glaring color he could fix upon, and his hair, which were plastered over with powder and pomatum, was tied behind in a large club, which hung, sagging upon his shoulders, like a soldier's knapsack. Thus elegantly dressed, he strutted along the streets, with a large stick in his hand, about a foot taller than himself, and a small, 
catch you the chaps by his side, which he could handle with as much dexterity as a spin, an instrument in the use of which he had made such a contemptible proficiency that he required as much acuteness to discover the meaning of this awkward scrawl as to explain the hieroglyphic characters of the ancient Egyptians. What still increased the obscurity of everything which Monsieur Fribble undertook the trouble of penning was that, excepting when he wrote his own name, he had a method of spelling which was peculiar to himself. He was equally famous for his skill in the useful science of numbers, for though, during the space of seven or eight years, he devoted to it a considerable part of that lingering time which he was forced to spare from his private devotions in school hours, the sum total of his improvement was that he was scarcely capable of casting up the contents of a shoemaker's little bill. His highest ambition was, in the first place, to furnish himself with a large collection of complimentary phrases which he had seldom discretion enough to apply with any tolerable propriety, and, in the next, to complete himself in the polite art of dancing, in which he so far succeeded as to be able to skip about with the most regular agility, though he never had a sufficient share of good sense to be able to dance with gracefulness. Thus accomplished, he excited the admiration of every silly coquette and the envy of every fluttering pocom. But by all young gentlemen and ladies of understanding, he was heartily despised as a mere civilized monkey. He performed everything by imitation, and he imitated nothing unless he was forcibly compelled to it, by which a rational being may be distinguished from a brute animal. But the species of imitation in which he most delighted was that which, in the vulgar style, is called mocking, for he was not possessed of a sufficient stock of ingenuity to be, what he very frequently attempted to be, a clever mimic. If any of his schoolmates happened to be afflicted with an impediment in the speech, an accidental lameness, or the like, he had the mean barbarity to endeavour to aggravate the misfortune by a coarse imitation, which generally turned the whole ridicule upon himself. He once had the impudence to practise his mockery upon a worthy gentleman in the neighbourhood, who was so unfortunate as to be unable to speak without stuttering. The gentleman, happening to pass by Mr. Fribble's door, at which our little monsieur was then standing, with a magpie in his hand. B B Bill, said the good man, after inquiring very civically how he did. 
as their pretty m m mag learned to t t talk. Y y yes, replied the saucy fop. B b better than you do, or else I would wring his head off. This rude and impertinent answer, which at first excited the laughter of some of the bystanders, soon gave them a very mean opinion of him, and he was afterwards despised by every sensible person as a mischievous, unthinking cocon. What aggravated his punishment was that he had so frequently indulged himself in the ungenerous and silly practice of mocking, the imperfect pronunciation of others, and at last he himself contracted such a habit of stuttering as he could never leave off. This gave such a poor recommendation to the nonsensical things he was continually saying, that he became the object of ten times the ridicule which he had endeavoured to inflict upon those who had a natural impediment. What was pitied in them as a misfortune, who despised in him as an ill-acquired and consequently a vicious imperfection, and therefore every one was willing to increase the mortifying smart of it, and keep alive the conscious shame he felt of wearing a fool's cap which was entirely of his own making. This vexatious and in some degree vindictive ridicule to which he was daily exposed, and which, in time, he might have softened, disarmed, by an humble and pertinent disappointment, gave such an insupportable wound to his foolish pride, that he soon absconded from company and died of a broken heart. That his soul might afterwards occupy such a station as would be most suitable to his character, it was sentenced to inhabit the body of that finical, grinning, and mischievous little mimic with four legs, which you now behold before you. As soon as the Brahmin had finished his story, poor Pug, who seemed to retain all the little pride of Mr. Fribble, grinned, chattered, and skipped about with a ridiculous resentment, which was mingled with evident marks of fear, until at last, having agitated himself into a perfect passion, he made a hasty spring at his keeper, which, to his own abashment, and the laughter of my young companions, was as suddenly checked by a small chain secured him to the floor. End of chapter 5 Recording by Ashwin Jain